This is the most profound and life-changing episode I've ever recorded. Honestly, you won't be the same person after listening to this. We've all heard from time to time that if you want to be successful, you should be visualizing your success. Picture yourself winning that business deal. See yourself building that app you've always wanted to build. Visualize yourself buying that house, driving that car, finding that dream partner. Whatever it is, picture it. I know it sounds slightly out of the norm, but time and time again, I found in my business journey that success leaves clues. And one of those clues is exactly that. Visualize yourself succeeding and you will succeed in whatever it is. Trust me, I've done it myself and it works all the time. And what better expert to have on the show today to talk to you all about visualization than none other than world-class athlete, Nick Simmons. He's a seven times NCAA champion, six times USA outdoor champion at the 800 meters, two times world champion finalist, and 2008 and 2012 Olympian. Nick talks about his success on the track and how he used to visualize his races beforehand, which led to him being one of the most successful US runners of all time. During his career, he launched his own business, RunGum, which he is still the CEO of today, that has become hugely successful. I can't wait for you all to listen to today's show, because honestly, like I said, it's the most profound show we've ever recorded. Sit tight and listen intently. You won't be the same person after listening to this. and welcome back to the app startup show i am pumped for today's episode i am actually really really pumped for today's episode because uh we have got an incredible guest on uh, this show today and i'm so so privileged uh to introduce you all uh, some of you will have known him uh but we've got nick simmons on the show today nick how's it going good thanks for having me you're welcome well this is like something that I never would have dreamed of would have happening when I first started the show or when I started uh, when I got into business years ago. So this is huge for me as well. Uh, and I'm looking forward to learning a lot. So uh, I hope as well that you get to learn something as well. So let's see how this goes. Uh, for any of you guys who are listening and you might notice the sound quality is a little different is because I am based in the UK and Nick is in the US. So we're going to have to do this online. Um, but without further ado, let's go straight into it. So Nick, Seven times NCAA champion, six times USA outdoor champion at 800 meters, uh, twice a world champion finalist, and you're a 2008 and 2012 Olympian. First of all, how does it feel when I say all of that? It almost sounds like you're talking about somebody else because <laughs> it, I, I did most of that in my 20s. I'm 36 now, and I, I'm like, wow, that kid ran really well, you know, and <laughs> It, I'm so far removed from from who I was then, and in a good good way. Not not that I, uh, you know, not that I, I regret it, or not that I, you know, long for those days. But just really proud of what I was able to accomplish when I was younger. Wow. I mean, like, did you ever think you were going to accomplish all of that? In the middle of it, 
I was a very confident athlete. I knew what I was able to, what I was capable of. I knew that I was um, just mentally the kind of athlete that showed up at championships. You know, I, I won every single uh, U.S. title I attempted there for like five or six years straight. And um, so, yeah, I was, I, I knew, I knew I had certain gifts, certain tools that would allow me to be successful. Um, but if you'd gone back and told, you know, 14 year old Nick Simmons that I would be a two-time Olympian, I'd have laughed at you. I think a lot of people probably would have laughed at you. Um, but you know, I was a hard worker and I, I think more than anything, I was good at finding people who wanted to help me be great. Cause you know, if you look at an Olympian, it takes a village. There's, there'll be a dozen people that help that person get where they, uh, where they wanted to go. And so I was really good at surrounding myself with teammates, trainers, coaches, uh, physios, you know, sports psychologists, the people that really wanted to help me accomplish my goals. And uh, man, we had a great team. Well, it's, it sounds like an incredible story and I'm really, really excited to kind of uh, delve deep into it. Um, so as you guys know, this is the App Startup Show and uh, we are here to give you guys the resources, guidance and expertise to go out there and go and create your app and start your business. Um, but similar to some of the previous episodes that we've had on, the reason why I've actually uh, invited Nick on the show is because he is one hell of an incredible human being. Um, and I firmly believe that mindset plays a huge factor in your success, not just in entrepreneurship or apps, but in everything in life. And I think mindset is so, so important. And I've read uh, a lot about Nick and I've actually read about how he uses visualization, which I think is one of the key factors uh, for success that anyone can take on. I think visualization is incredibly, incredibly important. And what was important um, that I actually wanted to talk to you about, Nick, is that I read something on your website, which I thought was really interesting, um, which you said, and this is part of the reason why I actually reached out to you as well. You said, professional athletics and business can both be very selfish endeavors. By teaching and inspiring, I hope that I am able to give back to the communities that have given me so much. Where did that come from? Well, as I was ending my professional running career, you know, you kind of look back on what had been 12 years as, as a professional athlete. And I'm like, well, what was all that for? You know, like what exactly did we accomplish there? And I recognized that, you know, pretty much my underlying purpose each day was to wake up, get as many resources as I could, be it coaching gear for my sponsors, you know, money, basically just trying to get as many resources as I could to, to continue to improve, to continue to get better and better to find out how good I could ultimately be. Um, you know, and there's a little bit of a, of a give back in the form of inspiring other people along the way, bringing them along for the journey. But it just kind of felt like for 12 years, I just used resources and not really given a whole lot back. And so as I began to shift my career from professional athlete to entrepreneur, which also can be a very selfish endeavor, I, I said there needs to always be this mentality of giving back to the communities that have helped me. So whether it was you know, the professional running community, the running community at large, or, you know, this, this community of entrepreneurs, I always want to make sure that there is an, a philanthropic aspect to what I do because, and, and people do things for different reasons. I'll be clear. I'm a very selfish person. I'm a very ego driven person. When I wake up, I want to make money for myself and my family. I want to have accolades for me. And I recognize that there's nothing wrong with that. I think it is important to recognize what drives you. And then also to try to balance it out a little bit. So if you are a selfish, ego-driven person like myself, having a philanthropic aspect to what you do is good balance. 
I have to ask you a question because you've just reminded me of something. This all sounds great and I love it. And I think it's really, really cool. When <laughs> I'm trying to see how you've got this Nick who's amazing. And then you've got this other Nick who <laughs> I saw a video on YouTube where you ate four Big Macs and attempted to run a mile. <laughs> You're not amazed by that? <laughs> it's like, I, I'm saying this guy is like really wants to give back. But when he gets bored, sometimes he does a YouTube video where he eats four Big Macs and runs a mile. I think it's, I think it's hilarious and wicked at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, it's, uh, I think there's, there's, I don't want to say different versions of myself for different purposes, but you always, as an entrepreneur, need to understand your customer, right? And when I'm making YouTube videos, I'm making YouTube videos for my core demographic, which is teenage boys. Mm. And so I'm a lot sillier. You know, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the version of myself that's, that I would be if I was hanging around a group of a bunch of teenage boys. Yeah. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm pitching run gum, you know, to people, uh, particularly investors, I'm not that version of myself. I'm much mm -hmm. more buttoned up. Uh, professional and uh, and I take a lot of the silliness out so I think I have been a good entrepreneur in that I've always been able to read a room and been able to uh, speak the language that needs to be spoken whether it's casual or formal business or or silly I, I, I can do that well do you know what? like I think when it comes to entrepreneurship as well and I think a lot of uh, listeners will will understand this or should take this on at the very least is that we joke about we're joking around about it about now about eating the big mac but we're all joking around about it but actually in a nutshell you're adapting yourself to different situations which you're gonna have to do sometimes and sometimes in business and entrepreneurship and in anything in life you're gonna have to do things which you don't like i'm sure there were days when you had to train to run on the track but you just didn't want to but you had to you knew you had to adapt in certain situations right Completely. I mean, when you're a pro athlete, specifically pro runners, I'll speak to that because that's what I know. We trained, you know, seven days a week, 50 weeks out of the year. And I guarantee you many of those days we didn't feel like training, but you got to do it anyways. And, uh, and it's another situation where you need to be adaptable in, in the crowd that you're with, whether I'm with my teammates, trying to help them through their workouts and, and enjoying that camaraderie, or whether I'm speaking in front of a room of 10,000 people, which I would do for corporate, corporate presentations sometimes. You know, I, I always try to say, okay, you know, how, how do I get a, get a reaction out of these people? How do I make them excited about what I'm doing? Um, and uh, I wasn't always good at it, but, but through 12 years of, of being put into a lot of these different situations, I, I learned how to, how to be adaptable. That is incredible. Well, you are certainly, certainly in, in being adaptable, you're very, very successful on track. Um, and one thing that I wanted to, to get to in this podcast as well is that in being successful on track, a lot of people, I think it's still now, still now in, in 2020, in the year we're in, that people look at it and say, that guy needs a lot of physical strength. That guy had to train a lot. He needed to have the physical capacity. And I think what pe most people don't realize is that not only did you need the physical side, you needed a lot of emotional strength. And a lot of, well, that encompasses mental strength. And that's kind of what the podcast is aiming towards in this episode about having mental strength. Would you say that having that mental strength was just as important as having the physical side? Probably more so. I mean, it's really easy to just bang your body, you know, into the ground every day and get strong. If you run 10 miles a day, you're going to get pretty darn good at running. Um, it's, and I know a lot of people, I mean, 
for every one champion, I could tell you 20 people that had the physical gifts to be the champion, but didn't have the mental gifts um, or, the, or weren't the mental fortitude didn't develop the, that side of their, of their, you know, personality. Um, I wasn't the strongest mentally, but it took a lot to, it took a lot to derail me. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty resilient. If I had a bad race, it wasn't the end of the world. If I had a bad workout, I didn't have a meltdown. If things weren't going quite right in a championship setting, you know, while other people were crying and throwing up their arms and running to their, you know, parents or sports psychologists, I was like, yeah, it's all right. We'll be okay. Kick my feet up, listen to some music. So I was, um, I was resilient. And I, I think if we're trying to link this back to entrepreneurship, that resiliency that I learned through athletics and developed through athletics, you have to be resilient as an entrepreneur. You know, I can't, I, I can't tell you how many times as an entrepreneur, I thought my companies were going bankrupt mm. and I said, we'll get through this. You know, I don't, I, I can't figure this out in the moment right now, but I can go for a long bike ride and, and I'll think on, on my bike ride or a long run. I'll think on that and I'll, come back with a different perspective and, and we always figure our way out of every problem. And it's not just me, it's my business partners as well. We always, we're resilient and, and, and we're always able to figure a way out of every problem, at least for the last five years that have, has come in uh, and presented itself. Incredible. That is really, really incredible. I'm going to touch upon that more because I want to poke a bit more at that button because it sounds... Sure. Sounds amazing. Um, so let's take a quick, uh, take a quick brief history. Let's go back in time a little bit. Um, actually, this is a question that I wanted to ask you, and I skipped over it in my little notes, but I want to come back to it because I think it's a really important question, and particularly if we're about to go back in time. In your, I find this a really difficult question, and I found that everyone I've kind of asked it to have, have really struggled with it as well. But in your own words, who is Nick Simmons? In your own words. Well, it changes a lot, right? I, I think that there are different periods of our lives and who I was as a 14-year-old kid is a lot different than who I was as a 24-year-old <laughs> guy. It's a lot different than who I am as a 36-year-old guy. But if I had to find a common thread, I'm a guy who just loves life and I love my, my hobbies and my family and my passions. And I like to work. <laughs> so let me be clear work is not not the under underlying purpose of my life um <laughs> i enjoy work but but i i really you know i'm here to spend as much time with my family and and with my my, the, my hobbies as i can awesome running where did it all start this is a little history lesson uh but where did running all start for you was it since a young age that you wanted to yeah. get into it or i i've heard um I listened to your episode on Lewis Howe's show, uh, episode 205, I think I remember. Um, and am I right in asking that it was because of a girl that you got into running? It was. Well, I'd always, you know, <laughs> been, I'd always been fit, right? I'd played soccer and, and ice hockey, and I always liked playing sports. Um, but the idea of just running for extended periods of time sounded horrible. Uh, and a girl I had a crush on, I, was, I think I was 13 at the time, so middle school, she said she was going out for the cross country team and said I should go and join the cross country team with her. Now this is a sport that's co-ed, right? So you practice together. And I'm like, yeah, I get to spend every day after school <laughs> with this girl I have a crush on. Why not? Um, and I never got the girl, but I did end up running really fast those first couple of years. Um, and I think running's that really unique sport. It's so individual. The hard work that you invest in yourself 
pays you dividends. Mm -hmm. And going back to the selfish person that I am, I love that. If I worked my butt off on the soccer pitch, maybe I get benched that weekend's game, you know, like I could work so hard and not necessarily receive the benefits of that. Whereas everybody gets the same amount of time on the track or cross country uh, course and you get your chance to prove yourself. So the harder I work, the easier it's going to be for me to go out and kick butt is going to get me more resources is going to get me more attention and accolades. And it's just a, a, it just builds on itself. I always likened it to a snowball rolling downhill, right? Once you get that snowball going, there's no stopping it. And once I, once I felt the taste of success and started winning, I was like, yeah, I could, I, even though I hate the training, I could see this becoming very addictive. Momentum, right? Once you have that, exactly. and that applies a lot in, in business. Once oh, in business for momentum. sure. Yeah. I always, I always liken it to, uh, you know, the overnight success that took 10 years. <laughs> yeah, and, that. And, that, and that's what business is. Like you'll see these overnight successes. I'll be like, holy cow, I see this company everywhere. You know, did they just start up? Uh, are they massively well-funded? And you'll go back and find out they were founded sometime in like 2004. Yeah. And they're just now hitting their momentum. And so you, you got to be patient with these things, whether it's YouTube or building a business or, or a pro running career. Hmm. Um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You've got to be patient. No, I, I absolutely agree. I, I, I liken it to um, the iceberg. Everyone sees the tip of the iceberg, right? But they don't see Completely. mammoth that's underneath it and, and what it takes to get there. Um, you are definitely incredibly successful. We went through what you've done. Performing at the Olympics is just one of the most amazing things. I, I think one of the proudest things you probably could have done. Um, but just a, a question for you, because it kind of leads on to what I want to go into. But what was the biggest low that you had? You know, there were a lot of ups and downs, but the biggest low probably came from injuries. The biggest lows in general came from injuries. And one in particular happened in 2014. I had an avulsion fracture in my knee. Really bad timing because I just won the world silver medal the previous year and was ranked number two in the world. Wow. And when you're ranked that high, you get really good appearance fees. Like meet directors were reaching out and offering me 10,000 cash just to show up and compete. You know, and I'm like, I can't say no to that. Um, but I had to, because I physically couldn't bend my knee. It was that swollen. And so I'm sitting there in my bed, you know, depressed and staring at the ceiling, just wondering what my, my purpose is in life if I can't run. And, and so that was a really bad low. And fortunately I've always been, you know, good about talking about my feelings. And I went to my coach who, who was my business partner at the time. And I said, dude, I'm, I'm like having some scary thoughts and I'm not happy and, and I don't know what to do with my days. And he's like, well, let's, let's start that company we've always been talking about. That company would go on to become RunGum, which is a company I'm currently the CEO of. But uh, I, I don't want to be cliche and say when life hands you lemons, you make lemonade. But, you know, when things aren't going well, dig your, dig your way out of it. I, I couldn't run, but my brain was working just fine. I had nothing but time and energy. And so I, I just decided I wasn't going to waste another day. And we just decided to start a business right there on the spot. Wow. Talk about shifting that energy, right? From uh, you got all this energy that needs to be used up and uh, you shifted it to starting your own company. It's amazing. I really believe humans need a sense of purpose. They need something to do. You know, if you're not working, if you're not volunteering, if you're not like raising a family, if you're just sitting there and, and you don't have anything to do, that's, that's when, you know, dark thoughts creep in. And, and I really believe that humans are here. They need a sense of purpose. They need to be motivated to get up and do something. And so for me, when I couldn't run, I lost that sense of purpose. I had to give myself a new sense of purpose, which was build a kick-ass company. That is super cool. 
One of the questions that I wanted to ask you, because I can't imagine how this must feel, but this must be something that at the time must have been quite crushing. But now you might look back and say, that was pretty incredible. And, and what I wanted to ask you was that, correct me if I'm wrong, but in London, did you run a 142.9, which was fifth place? Fastest fifth place finish ever in the history <laughs> of the world. Yeah. That's exactly yep. what I wanted to ask. Would that that would have correct me if I'm wrong? It would have won gold medal in every Olympic Games except Athens. I believe so. I believe so. Pretty brutal. Yeah, and and so people ask me a lot, like how hard was that to deal with, knowing that I ran that fast and was only good for fifth. And in the in the moment, it was kind of bittersweet, right? I on the one hand, I'd, I'd run as fast as I ever had, and then the other, I'd, I didn't get the medal it wasn't that hard to swallow that pill. You know, I think my, my sports psychologist helped me out more than anything. He said, you know, there, there are variables we can control and there's variables we can't control. And he goes, all the ones that you can control, you controlled to perfection and brought the best race of your life at the biggest stage in the world. The other variables that you can't control, like how fast other people run, well, you can't control it. So it is what it is. And I think there's a big lesson there, you know, for us in life and business there are things that we can control and we need, it's our responsibility to control those to the best of our abilities, but the stuff that's out of our control, you got to just let that go. What was the biggest high you ever had running? I think making my first Olympic team in 08 was, was easily the biggest high because, you know, you make all these sacrifices as a kid, whether it was in high school or then on to college or even bigger sacrifices and bigger risks is turning pro not making a whole lot as a pro runner those first couple of years and, and just putting my life on hold really for two full years as a, as a postgraduate saying, I'm going to do everything I can to be an Olympian. And then all of a sudden you punch your ticket and prove everybody, prove your fans right and prove your haters wrong. And that was the, that was an all time high, you know, for better or for worse in track and field specifically, there are two categories of athletes, those that have made an Olympic team and those that have not. And I very much wanted to be in that first category. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is definitely one uh, hell of a high. Um, this is incredible, Nick. Like, this is really, really amazing. And uh, I think your story is going to inspire a lot of entrepreneurs listening right now. But we've got uh, a lot more to go. So I'm, I've, I've already taken away a lot of golden nuggets from this already. So uh, <laughs> this is incredible. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you've got a lot more lessons to give. So I want to head now into more mindset. Uh, and visualization uh, and the things that you did where you had a whole bunch of success on the track and how you've kind of used some of that in business. One of the questions that I really wanted to actually ask you um, is that when you're running on track at an event, whether it's the Olympics or the world championships, whatever it is, you have a time that you have to perform. When it's event time, you have to perform. You have to get yourself, you have, you prepare all this time in training to get yourself in the right mindset to perform at that stage. In business, you kind of, well, there's this feeling around that you have to perform every day. You have to kind of be at the top of your game every day. How did you make that transition? Or you might tell me that um, that's not how it is, but that's the way it kind of appears from the outside. How did you make that transition for preparing for one day to then I have to perform, uh, perform every day? That's a great question. I mean, there are a lot of commonalities between you know, preparing for a big season or preparing for a you know, successful business. I think I, always, I, was, 
I was lucky as a pro athlete that I had a little bit of a lazy streak. And so I, I, I really don't believe you can be on 100% of the time in either arena, but in track and field, I, I my, my, my mentality was I'm going to bring a B, a B plus product, you know, an 85, 88% product most days. And when it really counts, that's when I'll bring my A plus product. And that allowed me to have longevity. It allowed me to have, you know, a happier, healthy lifestyle and allowed me to, to really, really bring it when it really counted. I think that's, you know, when we talk about being a championship runner, gaming up when it counts, I had saved something. I'd saved some reserves for when it really counted. And in business, it's similar. I, I don't come to the office every day thinking I have to really bring it today. I got to crush people. I, I come here thinking I need to do my job. I need to do my job well. But there are moments when I show up and I'm like, I need to be on today. Um, a good example, we just rolled our product out nationwide to Walmart. Talk about being on. I flew down to Bentonville, Arkansas to Walmart's uh, global headquarters and sat down with a buyer knowing that if I impressed that buyer with, with you know, myself, my, my company, my product, that it could change my life forever. So you better believe I was on that day. I brought my A-plus product, landed the deal, and it completely transformed our business. And so there are, there are days when I meet with an investor or when I meet with a big buyer or you know, meet with a potential um, hire, then I, I know I need to be on. I need to really bring my, my, uh, my A game. Wow, that's amazing. I suppose if you're attempting to kind of be, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm guilty of this. Uh, I'm guilty of trying to be on it every single day without fail. But I do get to that point where I'm just completely burnt out, where I can't even serve uh, yeah. my business. So I just think I need to take a break for a good like couple of days uh, to stay away. And I think that's a great lesson for, for people to take away, any entrepreneurs you don't necessarily have to be on it every day. It's almost like- I, I would encourage you not to be on it every day, right? Because like you said, it leads to burnout. A good analogy, and, and I'll go back to the track world for a minute. I yeah. had this coach and you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be so good, so fast. I'm like, coach, I, I, just, I need to, to accelerate faster. I need to improve faster. He said, Nick, I want you to think about your career like a ladder and you're gonna climb to the top of the ladder. I know you'll get to the top, but there's a, there's a couple approaches to get there. You can skip a bunch of rungs and try to like leapfrog your way up there, or you can just slowly and steadily climb that ladder. And he goes, the problem with the leapfrog is that you're going to fall. You're going to jump for a rung and you're going to miss it. and You're going to fall back down and it, and you'll get there. It's just really brutal to, to, to do it that way. He goes, why not just slowly and steadily get better and better and better each day, each week, each season. And before you know it, you've gotten to the top of the ladder and, and it's been relatively painless. And I like that analogy. And I kind of kept that in my mind, just slowly, steadily getting better and better each day. And I'll especially say that with regard to business. Would I love to quadruple revenue year over year or, or between this year and next? Yeah, that'd be great. But you know, the growing pains that we would experience, we're, we're more likely to bankrupt the company by aspiring for that kind of growth instead of just being very happy with the, you know, doubling or tripling revenue that we've been able to manage. Um, I, I am in this for the long haul. I think it's good to have a long-term approach when you're doing these kind of big audacious things and uh, slow and steady wins the race in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. Do you know what you've actually just kind of changed something in my belief system, uh, which I'm going to implement immediately. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, I really appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening in now are probably thinking, yeah, it, it's kind of like, this is the thing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs 
And I'm, look, I've been in business for four years now uh, and we're, we're doing well. We're, do, we're doing really, really well. We're doing the best that we've ever done. However, I, I think as every entrepreneur, you do get impatient uh, and you do sit there and think, damn, I really want like, us to be at this level. Or, I would, or you, you do the inevitable. Sometimes you end up comparing yourself to another business owner. And that's not a healthy way to be. And I think what you've kind of done there as someone who's achieved so much is kind of just give permission uh, to people listening in to say, it's okay to take your time. It's okay to just climb that ladder. Um, we call it, we say run your own race. You can't worry about what other people are doing. You just got to run your own race. Right. And if you do, you're going to run your best race. If I got caught up with what everybody around me is doing, then I, I stop running my own race, which I'm, I'm an expert in how Nick Simmons runs because I'm the only guy that drives <laughs> the car. And I just have to run my own race, which will allow me to run my best race. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, Nick, I read, um, this is something that I find really important and something that I do daily. Uh, well, I'm trying to make a habit of doing it daily. And I, I tell a lot of people, and a lot of entrepreneurs or, or people who might come to me for some mentoring advice will ask me this question. And it comes down to visualization. And I thought this was really, really important because I've heard uh, that a lot of runners will do it before a race. They will look uh, at, the, at the finish line or whatever it is, and they'll picture in their head running that race. And I don't, I'm not sure if they win it in their head or, or what. Maybe that defies the point if they don't win it. <laughs> um, but it's... I've heard, I've listened, I've listened and read that you visualize yourself what you used to before a race. Uh, was that true? And did it help? Yeah, I would say, you know, just the very basics is visualizing yourself winning, right? If you can't visualize it, how are you going to actually get out there and do it? Hmm. But you take that to the next level and now you're visualizing yourself going through each motion. So I'm visualizing myself getting off the line. I'm visualizing myself running fast and relaxed. I'm visualizing myself breaking with the pack and, and finding my, my stride. Um, I'm visualizing myself getting tripped. You know, like I'm literally going through different scenarios. What if I get tripped? What if it goes out fast? What if it goes out slow? What if a dog runs onto the track? Like, I mean, you can get carried away for sure. But like imagine every different scenario that could play out. And it gives you the sense of confidence. Like I've already seen every scenario. I'll be prepared no matter what comes my way. You know, so as you're walking out to that track, you just have this sense of confidence, this sense of being prepared. And then in real time, as it's happening, you're able to respond a lot quicker, which in the world of 800 meter running, middle distance running, the difference between winning and losing can be a quarter of a second. So you really do have to be able to act and respond almost immediately. Guys, I've got a huge announcement to make. Whether you're new to the podcast or a dedicated listener, trust me you're going to want to hear this. Because for 2020 and this new decade, I wanted to do something absolutely crazy for you guys. Something nobody would expect. Are you ready? You better be, because I'm pleased to announce that our App Accelerator program is now available completely free of charge. That's right, our online course which teaches you the exact 10-step system that anyone can use to help create their app without any experience is now available for free. In fact, it's the exact 10-step system that I used to make the number one educational game in the App Store that I learned from some of the top app developers and geniuses in the industry without knowing a single line of code. And it's the exact repeatable framework that I use today in my agency to help our clients create their own chart-topping apps. Just think, wouldn't you love to make the next Candy Crush or Uber? If so, then now you can. Learn how to get investment for your app, how to get people downloading it, the secrets to creating a winning app, 
plus all the guidance, resources, and expertise you will ever need to launch your own successful app startup, even if you have no experience. So if you're sitting on an app idea and feel a bit stuck on how to get started, then you need this free course. Head on over to appstarterguide.com to get started. That's appstarterguide.com to get started. Until then, let's get back to the episode. This is something that I've not actually heard before, but I find really, really interesting. So a lot of people talk about visualizing what you just said about going there, visualizing yourself winning. But you've said something there, which is really interesting, where you said, visualize what if, is, what if X, Y, Z is going to happen, but things that are undesirable. For example, when people, the number one fear in the world apparently is public speaking. And yeah. apparently when you ask people, what, what are you scared about? They say, I'm scared my hands are going to um, tremble and my legs are going to shake. But you've just said something which is really interesting. Visualize it. Okay, great. You're going to go on stage and your hands are going to tremble and your legs are going to shake. What's going to what, happen? Yeah, what's going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. You'll, you'll, people, people will feel for you and they'll cheer a little extra harder and get you amped up and then your tremble will stop and you'll crush, crush the presentation. I mean, I love erasing fear by addressing fear. So it, if you're going into a race, if you're, I mean, t- talk about business. What's the worst, absolute worst thing that could happen in business? You fail and your business goes bankrupt. Okay, so what happens then? Oh, you go get a job or you start another business. Your employees, they go get another job. You know, no one's happy when that happens, but it's not the end of the world, you know? And, and once, you, once you have gotten yourself, once you've arrived at that position of not being affair, afraid of the biggest fear out there, you can be more aggressive. I race more aggressive, more confidently, knowing that whatever comes my way, I'll be ready for. And I make more aggressive, riskier, calculated risk moves in business, knowing that even if shit hits the van, we're going to be okay. That is something that I've never, ever actually heard before. And I think you need to spread that message a lot more. And I'm glad with this podcast, we're going to spread it out because there are entrepreneurs listening in right now uh, who haven't got the courage to take that risk. And it's, it's always fear. It, it always comes down to fear. Uh, yeah. And going? I feel it too. And it, I'd, I'd say, you know, I, it's easy to sit here and tell you that, you know, I just <laughs> visualize and all of a sudden it's all gone. But so great to have people that believe in you people believe in the common mission my business partner sam um who has been my you know like a brother to me for 20 years we we play this game when somebody's afraid so whether he's he's afraid of a situation or i'm afraid of a situation we ask each other what's what's the worst that could happen like seriously let's play it out what's the absolute worst thing that could happen and as as we talk it out and express our fears you almost laugh (laughs) <laughs> like, cause you have, you have in your mind that this is like a cataclysmic apocalyptic scenario. And as you talk through it, you're like, well, it's not that bad, I guess. I don't really know why I was so worried, you know, and you laugh at yourself a little bit. And I think it's good to be able to have those honest conversations and, and, and really role play, play out those scenarios with somebody that you trust. Wow. Well, do you know what? That's, I was literally, my next question was going to be, how would you recommend someone get started with visualization? And I think you've just hit the nail on the head. And I think you've given an answer that no one would have expected. Everyone, and I'm not going to lie, I'm guilty of it. I was expecting, you know, visualize the success. I've never... That's what everyone says. Yeah, visualize yourself winning. That's easy. I mean, it's not hard to just visualize yourself on a yacht, you know, that's worth $100 million. It's not hard to do. The hard part, the work that's actually functional and, and is going to give you a lot of return is visualizing when things go bad. 
And if you can address those fears head on, you'll be a lot more prepared to, to, to tackle them when they, if they do materialize, but more importantly, to be in the right mindset to be more aggressive and be more confident as you go out and attempt to do big audacious things. Well, you've certainly done some audacious things and to go from the track to entrepreneurship, I think is already a big, scary journey because you've actually gone from being someone who's the best in the world at something um, to then going to an area which is completely unknown. Um, well, when I, when I stripped it down, you know, it was scarier to me than trying to make that massive pivot, not pivoting at all. And just being a guy that never had a second act. It terrified me that I would one day be remembered as this incredible runner who never did much else with his life. Like I remember that just like really bothering me at the end of my career. What if this is the best that it ever gets for me? And like that, that was a real fear. And I had to really talk through that. Um, you know, and fortunately I was able to get to a place mentally and emotionally where I said, no, this isn't going to be it for me. I'm going to have a second act or a third act or a fourth act. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a guy who likes to be busy. I'm a guy who likes to work hard. And, uh, if it's in the right arena, I can, I can, I can rally and, and get some stuff done. But, it, but it is, it's, you know, I, I say that little caveat at the end, if it's in the right arena, if you put me in the wrong arena, I won't do anything. I'll just sit there all day. Cause you have it, you have to be passionate about it. And, and I'm, I'm passionate about run. I was passionate about running and today I'm passionate about business and that'll probably, you know, that'll pass. And one day I'll be passionate about philanthropy not there yet, but you do need to recognize that there does absolutely have to be underlying passion or it's going to, it's going to be way too hard, much more of a grind. Amazing. Well, let's head on to your journey into entrepreneurship now. So it's, it's good timing. Um, tell us about Rangam. Well, I, I had been sponsored. Well, not so much sponsored so much as I, you know, when you're making Olympic teams, all these companies are sending you products and, all the energy drink companies here in America were sending me their energy drink products. And I'm like, dang, I love these. These, these are giving me the exact energy and focus that I'm looking for before a workout or a race, but drinking a big, heavy acidic liquid before running or lifting or racing. It's like the last thing an athlete wants. So I had to, before races decide, okay, am I going to choose upset stomach with tons of energy or low energy, but no upset stomach. And I'm like, I don't want to make that choice anymore. And I, I had studied biochemistry in college. So I knew that the stimulants I liked in my energy drinks, the caffeine, taurine, B vitamins, they could be absorbed sublingually, you know, through the lining of the gums. If I could figure out a way to deliver it to the lining of the gums effectively. And I don't know about the UK, but here in America, functional chewing gums are really taking off. Um, Nicorette, you know, nicotine laced yeah, chewing gum is big. And, uh, and there's a lot of other functionalities that are starting into the market. I said, Hey, for me, I want energy and I want it now. And I found a manufacturer that could put those stimulants into a piece of chewing gum. And, uh, my, my coach, my business partner, Sam, I pitched it to him. He goes, I love it. Uh, I want in 50, 50. Um, and that summer that I was injured, we, we bought a million pieces of chewing gum, uh, infused them with caffeine, towering B vitamins, called it run gum and, and, you know, set off. Uh, really with no business. I mean, I would say no business plan. It was a rudimentary business plan, but we knew that if we could move those first million pieces, we'd really have something. And we sold them fast and, and just reordered more and kept expanding. And now here we are five years later uh, with a multi-million dollar business that's sold, you know, around the world and, and in 15,000 doors here in the US. It's amazing. This is a, a question I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, again, it comes back to fear. 
uh, are probably wondering as well. Uh, a lot of people want to start their own business and they want to start their own app, whatever it is. Um, and they think, okay, maybe I'll go into business with my friend or, and in, in this case, you went into business with your coach. How did the dynamic change and were there challenges involved uh, at all? Fortunately, he and I had started businesses before. So I, we had worked together in that capacity. Um, I would say the biggest change was that in those first, the first business specifically, he was the mentor and I was the student. And then in this one, you know, I was 30 when we started this, he was late forties and we had been through war together, right? On the track, we'd been in the trenches together in business. We'd been in the trenches together. And I would really say, especially cause it was my idea and I brought it to him. This one truly was business partners, 50, 50, you know, no, not mentor, mentee relationship this was like hey let's go really try to do something big here and initially there had there was there were some moments where i felt like maybe he was still trying to teach me something or he rejected in some sense me trying to teach him things there were there were there was so much to be done that we had to really divide and conquer and and so i'm teaching him about fundraising and he's still teaching me about how to read financial and balance sheets so <laughs> it was really it was really a, a dynamic more of partners rather than teacher student amazing what's been your biggest challenge in entrepreneurship so far building out and managing a team i i chose track and field because or i chose pro running because it's it's a it's a one-man show you know i didn't like team sports that much I, I still don't like team sports that much. And if I have a weakness, it's management. And I, I you know, hire great people that can help me with management because I don't like being told what to do and I don't like telling other people what to do. So that's probably my biggest challenge um, from just a, you know, a, an executive standpoint. Um, learning to raise money was a real learning curve. You know, we were self-funded. So typically when you start a business, you're going to learn how to raise money from the get-go because you have to get your idea launched. But because Sam and I had some money saved up, we were able to launch this on a founder's round, which was a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because we didn't have to answer to anybody, didn't have to distract ourselves at all with the fundraising process because we had the money on hand. But a bit of a curse because two or three years later when we ran into our first cash crunch and we really needed money, not only did I need to get the money, but I had to learn how to get the money in the process. So. It was a real scary moment for us, you know, and when, uh, when we had to raise that first round, but uh, some long nights and, and uh, you know, calling everybody I knew, driving up and down the West Coast of the United States, taking meetings with anyone who would take a meeting with me. We ended up raising our first round, uh, $1.8 million in a seed round. And now I'm out knocking on doors about to raise a $5 million Series A. So, um, you know, sometimes you just got to jump into the deep end and, and you're either going to sink or you're going to swim. And fortunately, we swam that day. That's the thing, like a lot of entrepreneurs um, who I've spoken to as well, um, some of them are not prepared to put in the money themselves and, and they may have their own reasons. But what I found a lot of it comes down to is when I ask them the question, do you really believe in this? Um, and I think as well, the other part that I want to mention is that a lot of people will say, oh, wait, Nick did great. They, they had some money. Uh, they founded it. Then they raised 1.8. But it's not just then they raised 1.8. You were literally yeah. Owning like crazy, right? You're going around. So yeah. a lot of people, it goes back to the iceberg, right? And, and the journey and everything like that. People don't see that side. And I'm really, really glad you brought that up because there is a lot of work that goes on behind. Oh, this. yeah. 
make your oh, dream yeah. a reality. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, need to understand that because I don't know, it goes back to kind of one of my like pet peeves about stuff in general. Um, and, and it's that we don't really get taught this stuff at school. We, in fact, we don't get taught this stuff at school. Not <laughs> at all. Any of it at school or in high school, college, whatever, university, and we're never ever taken uh, through this journey. So this is why we need podcast episodes of this and people like us to spread the story. So that's sure. really great. What <clears throat> principles have you taken from running into business now and that you can advise, uh, give to someone else? Uh, hold on. Have I phrased that right? Uh, yeah. Uh- <laughs> I would call them like little, little nuggets of wisdom or lessons, you know, resiliency is number one. You know, the difference, the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people, it really comes down to just one word. It's perseverance. Everyone thinks, Oh, he's successful because he got lucky. No, every single successful person had, you know, a dozen obstacles jump up in front of them, but there are people who panic when obstacles present themselves. And there are people who, take a deep breath and, and circle up with people they trust and they get over them, you know, and we me, my business partner and I, we, we just don't get phased. Like, trust me, crap has hit the fan and we've looked <laughs> at each other. We've looked at each other like, Oh my God, what are we going to do this time? But we don't panic. We usually, you know, decide to meet up at his house or my house and we grill some burgers and sit in the hot tub and talk it out. You know, like we just have, keep a cool head. You know, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Keep a cool head because chances are your problems always appear bigger than they really are. Um, and, and even when you have wins, they, the, the wins probably appear bigger than they really are. So just try to keep a cool head throughout the ups and downs. Nick, this has been incredible. I, I knew this was going to be an amazing episode, but I did not expect it to be the level that we just hit. Um, this has been amazing. I've only got a few more questions. Um, so the first question I wanted to ask you is that, is there anything that I haven't asked you, which you think is important for entrepreneurs to hear? Understand the money. And I, I, it, when people always ask me, well, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? How do, how do, how should I start a business? You know, what should the number one lesson you say? Understand the money. You know, you have a great idea for, for a product. Congratulations. Welcome to being a human being. I bet you there's what, <laughs> eight, 8 billion people on planet Earth. I could bet you there's 8 billion great ideas out there for products. It, it's, it, the idea is like, people say like 50-50. It's not even 90-10. The idea is 1% of, of being successful. 1% and 99% execution. Um, and execution, when I say that word, most of that is made up of understanding the money. Cash flow. How is the money going to come in? How is it going to be used? How are you going to lag on receivables? How are you going to finance inventory? How are you going to make sure that you hit payroll? What's your burn rate? Every single thing in business comes down to one freaking simple concept, <laughs> the money. How are you going to fund this whole thing? And there's a million ways to fund it. You know, it could be self-funded. It could be uh, a business model that's based on uh, subscription, which I love because it's consistent revenue. It could be a kind of business that just absolutely hemorrhages money like Uber was or still is. You know, there's a million business models out there, but make sure you understand which one you are and how you're going to get it done. Because just, just having a cute idea or having a good idea is not a business. That is a nice wish and it's a nice idea, but understand the money. Amazing. 
Nate, this has been, like I said, this has been incredible. Um, just a few quick ones. What are you up to now? What does the future hold? Am I right in understanding that you want to climb uh, the seven summits? Yeah, I'm kind of already in the middle of that one. So nice. physically, physically, I like to stay fit. Um, I work out seven days a week. Um, I, I'm, I'm on a mission to climb to the highest point in every state in the United States, which includes Alaska. Um, and, and the tallest mountain in Alaska happens to be Denali, which is the tallest mountain in North America. So I figured if I'm going to tackle that, I might as well climb the tallest mountain in every continent. <laughs> and so I climbed Kilimanjaro in 2017. Amazing and climbed Karsten's pyramid down in Oceana um, as well. So I'm not in a, in a rush to do that. That's just kind of like a, you know, bucket list item, but uh, you know, more immediately um, I take my check ride to get my private pilot's license this month. That's wow. something I've been working on for a year. And uh, I've got two businesses, Nick Simmons LLC handles all mm -hmm. of, you know, my, my personal brand stuff, Instagram, YouTube, uh, that kind of stuff. And then run gum. Uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of that company. And, I don't know what RunGum has in store for us. It, it's growing so fast that we kind of just don't question it and just you know wake up every day trying to stay stay up with it. We uh, we grew by 164 percent last year, um, 18 uh, 19 over 18. So that was a big year for us. Um, yeah, I just I feel like I'm right where I need to be. I love my city. I love my fiance. I'm getting married here in a couple months. I love my dog. I love my hobbies. Um, I guess the only, the thing that worries me the most, and this is be like, you guys are going to be like, shut up, Nick. The thing, that, <laughs> the thing that worries me the most is that I'm so happy that I'm not pushing myself as hard as maybe I would have when I was younger and less happy. You know, when I'm unhappy, I, I don't do well unhappy. I, I operate really, really well as a happy person. I, I do not operate well when I'm unhappy. And the minute I feel a sense of, of unease or unhappiness, I'm immediately like, how do I fix this? And, uh, you know, when, when I was unhappy with my injury and my, my bum knee, I said, how do I fix this? I create a kick-ass business. I'm just so happy and so content with where my life is. I don't have the same sense of urgency or ambition that I maybe had. And that scares me. I, I'm an ambitious person. A lot of the things that I've accomplished have been because of this un, unquenchable thirst to be great and to, to succeed in things. And not that I don't have it. Still, I just don't have it to the same like burning desire to to destroy people that I did when I was younger. <laughs> well, you do know, you've actually really, really inspired me on something which you probably would have thought that you never would have inspired me on. But I literally just uh, a couple of months ago torn the ACL in my oh, no. playing soccer. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. I know I'm not going to lie uh, to anyone listening in sports injuries. Like, look, I, I'm not obviously I'm not a professional soccer player, but for them to be able to say you're going to have to have surgery and it's going to be nine months before you're back is wow. probably one of the most devastating things to hear ever. Um, but no, you're right. It's the way, it's the way, and this goes with anyone listening in with adversity. It's the way you respond to it. It's so cliche. I know it's super cliche. And anyone listening in going, ha ha, easy for you to say, but I'm actually in the midst of it now. And you've just heard from someone who's been through a knee injury as well. Um, and we're both in a good place. Uh, you'll probably you'll probably listen to this episode two years from now and you'll be like i remember i was in that place mentally and it caused me to do this maybe that's like uh sign up for a swimming competition because you can't run so you're going to swim or sign up for a bodybuilding company you'll go do something <laughs> with your extra free time and you'll be like i'm so glad i tore my acl or i never would have done 
X. You know what? It's, it's, so it's only been two months and I'm completely digressing now, but it's only been two months. But what I realized was that when I did tear my ACL, I thought, hold on, if I'm out for a couple of days when I have the surgery, because I'm going to be a bit out of it, I'm going to have the anesthetic and whatnot. And I thought, hold on, wait, am I a business owner or am I a business operator? And then I realized at that point, I'm a business operator. My business doesn't run without me. And I've spent the last two months getting in the right people and the right systems and the right processes. So in a way, this injury has been a blessing in disguise because these are things that I've had to do. And now the business, I'm now a business owner. It can yeah. run without me. Uh, yeah, you want to be a business owner, not an operator. Otherwise, you're chained to it. Yeah, it's really, really, really difficult to make that step, but everyone make that jump. Uh, Nick, I've only got a couple more question, uh, questions left. So you mentioned perseverance and understanding the money, but is there any one piece of advice, doesn't have to be business related, that you would give to anyone in the world? One piece of advice, if you had to give one piece of advice, or would it be perseverance and understanding the money? No, that's what I'd give for, for aspiring entrepreneurs, but for just anybody, set goals. I mean, I, I, I would be lost every day if I didn't have concrete written out goals. I write all my goals out for myself, for, for like all aspects of my business. I'm looking at my goal sheet right now. I'll read you. I've got a goal for family, fitness, run gum, YouTube, hobbies, and Nick Simmons LLC. And they all have concrete goals, both a realistic goal for 2020 and a stretch goal. I wrote it out on a little sticky note. And when I attack, when I, when I achieve that goal, I'm going to rip it up and I'm going to set a new goal. And I, I would be absolutely lost in this world if I didn't have concrete goals to wake up to every single day to go pursue. Maybe some people aren't as goal-driven as me, but for me and for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of like really you know, goal-oriented people, write your goals out on paper and look at them every single day. That's one of the most important lessons I can give anybody. Incredible, incredible. Do you know what? That's I just, you know, this, this is something I haven't told anyone, uh, anyone, nobody knows this except one person. Uh, it was last night. I'm, I'm not kidding. This was last night and it was about 1230 at night. And for those of you guys who are listening to the podcast, you can't see right now, obviously, uh, but I was reading, oh, I love that book, yeah. reading it, Lewis Howe's book, uh, School of Greatness. Anyone that's not read it should read it. And the first exercise in there was about uh, a vision and getting your vision together. And this, like I said, it was about 12, 1230 at night. Uh, everyone's asleep and I should be asleep at that time, but I was reading. And I realized at that point that I, I didn't have a compelling vision. I didn't have consistently consistency to pull through with it. For example, going to the gym, I think a lot of people listening right now, they'll say, I don't work out every day or I can't be bothered to go to the gym, whatever it is. And I spoke to someone, I just went online and this is the one person that knows, well, now everyone's going to know. And I, I reached out to this guy called Mario Aris, great guy, incredible speaker. And I said, Mario, I've got this problem. Um, I don't feel committed to my goals. I don't call, I don't feel married to a vision. And he said, the reason why, and this is for anyone listening in right now, the reason why is because you haven't written it out and neither have you brought it into the physical world. It's not on your wall. It's not anywhere. It's just all in your head. What we say is that's a wish. What you got is a wish, which is great. There's nothing wrong with having a wish, but you don't really have a goal. You don't have a plan. It's not, it's not out there. So when we talk about goal setting and goal achieving, there's a lot of things that people who achieve their goals do. They write them out. They tell somebody. So there's a sense of accountability. Um, they build a plan with short, intermediate, and long-term goals to build your way towards those big goals. Mm. I mean, this isn't, this isn't like reinventing the wheel. Like there are, <laughs> there are some really successful people out there that are teaching these things. Lewis happens to be one of them, a, a mutual friend of ours. And 
I just, I just can't preach it enough. You got to do those things. Are you, I mean, otherwise you're just out there like daydreaming about the things that you want to accomplish instead of actively working towards them. Anyone listening in right now, I can tell you now after being four years in business and Nick has just told you right now, do that right. If there's anything that you should do right now, I'd say it's that get on. When it, it costs nothing, it literally costs nothing to just take out a scrap sheet of paper and write down your goal. And, and there are right ways and wrong ways to set a goal. I, I wrote about this the other day. Um, one of the goals I hear all the time is Nick, I want to be a better runner. I'm like, my man, that's not a goal. That's a wish, <laughs> right? I wish to be a better runner. A goal could be, I want to run a sub three hour marathon this year, right? That's a goal. That's an actual thing with a concrete metric and, dis- and defined timeline. And that's something you can write on a sheet of paper. And by the end of the year, either you did it and you rip up that, that piece of paper and celebrate, or you didn't and you kick that goal into the next year or you set a new goal. But make sure you understand the difference between a wish and a goal. Um, because a lot of us put wishes out there. I want to lose weight. That is a wish. I want to lose 10 pounds by December. That is a goal. You know, understand the difference. Amazing. How do this is like, I can't tell you how amazing this has been, but uh, how do people follow your journey? Uh, you've got a YouTube channel, you've got over 150,000 subscribers now. Um, like I said, I've watched a few of your videos. Um, but how do people follow it? Is YouTube the main place or Instagram? I think if you want to be entertained, certainly go check out my YouTube page. I try to make entertaining videos there. But if you want to interact and be inspired, motivated, know what I'm up to, then check out Instagram. Um, all right. And Run, Run Gum is across all platforms at Run Gum. Well, you guys have to. I mean, I can tell you for once, you guys have to check out his YouTube channel. He sent, <laughs> Nick has sent his Vaporfly Nike trainers up into space, which was awesome. He ate four Big Macs and ran a mile. And probably my favorite video, which actually was probably one of your most recent ones, uh, was where you challenged people to beat you in a race for $100, which was pretty cool. I do that a lot. Yeah, so, I do that one a lot. <laughs> I'm excited for you to come to London to try that. Uh, across I've had a lot of people ask me, like, you should do this in London or do this in a different city. Like, it would be crazy if you mix it up with the cultures and the different currency. And I'm like, well, now I got to figure out how to get myself and my videographer over to London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot. I try to put, I put out one video every week. And, you know, me and my videographer, we, we, we collaborate a lot together on it. And, and the idea is let's make the, each video be the best video we can make, the most entertaining video we can make, mm-hmm. um, and ideally appeal to a broad audience. Uh, but you'll notice there's often a physical, you know, aspect to it or a, a competitive aspect to it because I like to compete. That's super cool. And by the way, I just want to mention something. This is something that was right at the end of my notes. Um, but I just want to mention something that there's all this talk and all these stories in history about the four minute mile. Um, but you're the first person I've ever met and spoken to who's done a sub four minute mile. Yeah. I ran three fifty six when I was 23 years old. That was a big moment. Cause this is pre pre my first Olympic team, but you know, breaking the four minute mile barrier is something that I think only 280 some people had done at that point. Um, and I was like 285 when I did it and I'm like, wow, only, <laughs> Uh, for of the of the hundred billion people that have walked the earth, only two hundred and eighty five have ever broken four, and I'm one of them. Like that was a really neat moment. But even even cooler is that I well, it could be could be wrong, but on Wikipedia I checked that at this present moment in time, I believe you're I think the eighth fastest at eight hundred meters ever. Maybe, maybe well, I don't know. Well, I'll take it. Yes, but whatever it is, 
amazing. Nick, thank you so much for appearing on today's podcast. I, I think it's been incredible. Uh, everyone go check out Nick on uh, YouTube. Go check him out on Instagram. Uh, but thank you so much for appearing on. And guys, for anyone listening in, we'll see you on the next episode. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. In case you missed my earlier message, I announced that our App Accelerator program is now available completely free of charge. Our online course, which teaches you the exact 10-step system that anyone can use to help create their own app without any experience. Learn how to get investment for your app, how to get people downloading it, the secrets to creating a winning app idea, plus all the guidance, resources, and expertise you'll ever need to launch your own successful app startup. So if you're sitting on an app idea and feel a bit stuck on how to get started, then you need this free course. Head on over to appstarterguide.com to get started. That's appstarterguide.com to get started. I promise you won't find anything else like it. Until then, I'll see you on the next episode.